Hi everybody, this is Alex Torpy, your town manager, here with your July Hanover Happenings update. So we're gonna cover a couple different things from our select board meeting on July 24th. We will look at our rate and fee schedule for fiscal year 23-24, the new capital improvement plan committee, some traffic safety recommendations from staff, a discussion about some agenda and minutes formatting, donations, unanticipated revenues, some other business, and the creation of a talent acquisition coordinator position. We're also gonna go through my administrative report, which includes updates on human resources, staffing, uh, retention and recruitment study, as well as our critical staffing shortage policy, uh, a new shared service with Woodstock, Vermont, a Mink Brook community workforce housing update, uh, downtown Hanover, uh, some of the recent storm events and several other updates. So thanks for joining and why don't we jump right into it? So the first item is our rate and fee schedule. This is uh, typically set annually, and this is the cost of all the applications and fees and permits and things like that, you know, ranging across all different departments. And these are typically, uh, these are set up so that the payment for whatever the um, item is, is basically is you are recouping the cost of providing that service. And so, for example, as inflation goes up and as uh, salaries go up to match inflation, hopefully, um, the cost of that uh, fee or application or permit should also go up. Um, and so a number of these fees have not been updated in a pretty long time. So a couple of those uh, were updated this year. Um, we did set a cap at 10% for many of them. Many were well below that. A couple, if we look at when they were last set in the inflation since then, uh, would have needed to gone up um, to go up 20% or more to uh, be at the same level that they were the last time they were set. Now, there can sometimes be this idea that if you don't raise the rates or the fees, that you're sort of saving people money somehow. But that's not really the case. What really is um, the reality is that if you're not raising the fees to keep up with the cost of providing the service, then you're actually just shifting the burden of paying for that onto the general tax base, which was um, not the goal from the first place. So ideally, you're sort of keeping these fees relatively up to date on, um, on an annual basis um, or a semi-annual basis so that you don't have to make big jumps but also perhaps not updating every single one every year so that you know, you're know you keeping a $5 fee, something um, round number like, like $5, and you're not saying, okay, this year is $5, next year is $5.17, then $5.37. So sometimes those fees are only updated every couple of years. So we did that this year, um, and you can find the, uh, the full rate and fee schedule in, um, in the uh, links to the show notes here. Um, and on our website in the select board agenda packet. So again, that's something that we do every year. Uh, we were, did this year's um, about one meeting later than we usually do, just to make sure we had all the numbers correct uh, for this. Next is we, uh, we talked about our capital improvement plan committee. So this is a new structure that we created this year and state law in New Hampshire actually requires that there be a capital improvement plan committee and that function can basically either be delegated to the planning board, um, which is not how Hanover typically operates and not how most towns in New Hampshire operate at this uh, point, or you can create a standalone capital improvement plan committee, what we're calling the CIPC. 
And the goal of this committee is to do budget planning uh, with the town manager, with the select board, with other stakeholders, such as the finance committee, on the long-range capital projects. And so typically that's items that are have a useful life of more than five years. Um, and that might include vehicles, equipment, roads, facilities, uh, public lands, sidewalks, um, all that sort of stuff falls within capital. In the past, we did not have a uh, committee to review this. And so really all of the uh, work was shouldered by one employee, our public works director, who has done a, a, a relatively remarkable job at organizing and creating a very detailed Excel spreadsheet that helps plan out the costs of all of these purchases in the future. Because you're looking six to 10 years, in some cases, 20 to 30 years out. If you know that you have to replace a piece of equipment every 20 years, we build that into this capital plan. And in Hanover, fortunately, most of our capital purchasing is self-funded, meaning that we put money into an account every year and draw money out. And because we know with a relative degree of confidence what those purchases are gonna be in future years, we know how much money that we need to be saving every year. Um, and so it's sort of a balance between how much goes in and how much goes out. And the goal is to keep that sort of as flat as possible and avoid huge spikes from year to year if there's a large purchase that needs to come out. Um, so the Capital Improvement Plan Committee is charged with uh, doing that long range capital planning and connecting a few dots here that maybe haven't been connected as well. So making sure that our land use regulations and goals in our master plan, for example, are tied to our capital plan, making sure that all of our facilities have long term cost analyses done, which we don't currently have. So we don't know the real cost of ownership um, of all of the different buildings that the town owns. Um, and the same goes for some of our sort of public assets as well, like sidewalks, uh, parks, trails, conserve land, things like that. So we're gonna be discussing a lot of those items when we get into the capital improvement plan discussion. That will be in the fall. We don't have the exact timeline worked out yet for the budget, uh, but it will, it's part of the annual budget process or will be going forward. Um, and on that committee, there are a number of different stakeholders that will be represented. For example, a representative from the select board, from the finance committee, from the planning board, myself, our finance director, our public works director, and we created an additional position that could be um, a member of the public at large, uh, a rep from the master plan advisory committee or from the school district um, or others. There's a lot of stakeholders that really should be connected into this conversation. Um, if we tried to create a seat for everybody, I think we'd have a gigantic committee and the goal is to keep it small-ish so that we can sort of still have interactive conversations. But those meetings are open to the public. Um, the capital improvement plan committee will be a public body um, or is a public body. And so anyone is able to attend those meetings um, as well. And so we'll have more about that when we get into the budget process this year in the fall. And if you wanna learn more about the CIPC and um, uh, a little bit more of the details there, you can head to the website or look at the links um, to the select board packet. Next is, we looked at some traffic safety recommendations from staff. And so this is also a new process that we have in place to create sort of a more uniform and consistent way of reviewing uh, complaints, requests, concerns um, that come in about traffic or pedestrian safety type issues. And these are things that are other than a really easy sort of one-off 
um, type thing. But for example, evaluating whether a uh, traffic light or a crosswalk should be at a particular intersection or things like that. Um, or if there's really, uh, if there's chronic complaints about speeding in a neighborhood. So th those are the kind of things that come to this group. Um, and the group um, is myself, uh, our planning department, police department, and public works department. And so we now have quarterly meetings set up. Our next one is in September. Um, and if there is an issue that you would like to be reviewed by that staff group, you can send it to me. Um, and we'll put it on our sort of uh, queue for looking at issues. And there's a few different parts. I provided an, a memo in the prior select board meeting about this. There's a few different parts to this group. One is looking at these complaints and requests, but the other is reviewing the standards in place. And so obviously having policies or standards is really important. We control the local ones and we don't control the state or federal ones, though we have some influence, though not a whole lot. Um, and so the, uh, the goal is to have policies in place that represent our general values and goals. Then as requests come in, we compare those requests against those policies so that we're not making an ad hoc decision every time an issue comes up. Um, those uh, standards, though, do need to also be reviewed. We can't just take them as dogma. So it's sort of a balancing act. And what we've done is scheduled out and agreed to a standards review every two years. So that's looking at all the state, uh, federal, local policies, make sure that they are representing our goals and sort of best interests as best as possible. And then between those times, as requests come in about specific uh, issues in specific areas, we compare that against the policies and make it a a determination. So there were five different issues that we reviewed in our uh, actual uh, our first quarterly meeting, which was a crosswalk uh, request um, at Dunster and Wyeth, uh, reviewing speeding concerns near RMS, reviewing speeding concerns on Etna Road, uh, reviewing a request for a sidewalk placement on Reservoir Road, and a couple questions related to upcoming uh, paving pot projects on Lime Road. So I'll go through these really quickly. And if you wanna read more, there is a long memo that details all of the conversation that we had and um, the sort of uh, next steps uh, from the staff's recommendations. So the crosswalk at Dunster and Wyeth, we identified out the different criteria in our policy as it's written currently that need to be met for the crosswalk to be placed there. It, we have met many of those criteria. There is one that we need to do some data collection on in September. Um, but we did get guidance when discussing this with the select board um, that they were supportive of a crosswalk with the rapid flashing beacons at this location. The cost of that is around $30,000 currently. So we are working right now to identify um, $30,000 in the budget that could be switched out to pay for this as this was not funded in this year's budget. Um, I probably will be requesting that we create some discretionary funds going forward so that as smaller projects like this come up in a given year, we don't have to wait an entire year to be able to do them. And we don't have the discretion in our budget that we used to. It's a really tight, lean budget right now. So we need to uh, count pedestrians um, and figure out the budget piece um, and talk to NHDOT because this is a, um, a state-controlled road. Um, and another reason to sort of look at the pros and cons of having local ownership of the road. Next is we were looking at speeding around um, RMS. The staff are recommend, recommending 
that because of the known significant pedestrian usage right outside of the school, that we are recommending looking into lowering the speed limit from 30 to 25 miles per hour, and then lowering the school zone speed limit from 20 to 15 miles an hour. Although we don't think this will help resolve all of the uh, traffic issues in the area, we do think it might make a difference, it might help, and it certainly signals to people driving through that this is a more pedestrian area. We do wanna to put together meetings of some different stakeholders, including the SAU, um, to discuss traffic flow um, and maybe potential future engineering solutions, but basically where cars are queuing, where they're parked, where they're picking up. Um, that when we reviewed this, that was definitely one of the reasons why there were traffic issues in that area. Next is we were looking at speeding on Etna Road. We're, gonna, we're collecting right now a little bit more data on speeding in different locations along Etna Road. Um, we do have some speed data, but they don't show um, that there is enforceable, consistent speeding. However, the anecdotal reports from residents is that there is. Part of the issue uh, that we believe is that the road is just not um, engineered and built for the amount of pedestrian traffic that people currently use it for. It just doesn't have super wide shoulders or anything like that. But we are collecting a little bit more data on speeding in different sections to see if there are hotspots uh, that are a problem <clears throat> and looking at potentially the placement of a speed feedback sign in the area. We had a request for some sidewalk placement on Reservoir Road, um, and we actually have some plans uh, in place to create sidewalks in this area. They are scheduled for fiscal year 27. Lastly, we had some questions about complete streets and Lime Road. Um, and basically uh, what we are doing is on Lime Road, we are gonna be able to move the center line very slightly over and recrown the road when we mill and pave it. And that will create a slightly wider bike lane on the northbound, uh, I believe on the northbound side with southbound traffic being able to use the multi-use path that is just a few feet away. So that will make it slightly safer um, on Lime Road for bikes, it's not perfect. Um, we're trying to get to that five foot width, but the width of the road just doesn't support that all the way through. And we're also improving the merge lane to make that safer as well uh, as you get up to the roundabout. Next, the board discussed a bunch of um, uh, issues around the agenda and minutes formatting, which I'll not gonna go into a ton of detail here, but basically we're just reorganizing the agenda a little bit, sort of an ongoing process of uh, what goes where um, and making it clear, but helping sort of flow through the agenda maybe a little bit more efficiently. Um, and same with um, as, as far as minutes go, how we collect feedback from each of the different board members before the meeting so we can sort of streamline the process at the meeting a little bit more. And right now we're gonna be trying out some sort of track changes um, in that process so that we come into the meeting and everybody can see what others' edits were and we can kind of get right into making decisions about that. We also had a bunch of other business um, on the meeting. Um, we did uh, accept some unanticipated revenue um, as well as uh, a, um, a, a, a petition for a poll license, abatements from the advisory board of assessors and some donations, which just quickly read through, which was um, Eric and Susan Shirley to the Etna Library um, and Walter and Joyce Knoll to the Etna Library. Um, we received a donation from the Hanover Consumer Cooperative Society um, for the Appalachian Trail Sidewalk uh, Project for Parks and Rec. Um, and uh, Parks and Rec also received a donation from Black Moon Games um, and Roger Clarkson Realtors. Um, so thank you everybody for those uh, generous gifts. 
We also created a talent acquisition coordinator position, which I'll actually come back to because I'm going to go through the human resources sort of update from my report in uh, just a moment. So HR and staffing, uh, the we had 13 new hires since we last met, though all of those are seasonal hires and rehires in Parks and Rec and DPW. And we had one resignation in that same time period. Um, our retention and recruitment study is moving forward uh, in month four. Uh, of the study. Um, we have some consultants from UMass Boston that are assisting um, getting some of the market data and reviewing our pay matrix and a couple other specific items as we move forward through this. They're going to be helping integrate some of the findings from the salary, uh, the market data that MRI uh, is collecting. Um, we had contracted with them last year to collect that data um, and provide that back so that we can make sure to adjust our pay scale to be more competitive uh, based on the goals that we have. And so we still have incredible participation from staff um, in all of our department committee meetings uh, where every department meets um, uh, at the beginning of the month and that is facilitated by myself or the human resources director. And then one non-management rep from each of those departments meets as a group at the end of the month to share what each of the different uh, departments had talked about. We take those notes out um, and are building a sort of list of set of ideas, concerns, and recommendations about policies and programs that we need to update here to really make Hanover an employer of choice. Um, basically, in the last month, we also had uh, some concerns around critical staffing um, and shortages, especially in the public works department. And so I'll run through those uh, different things here. And these are important and urgent because the current staffing levels that we're at so in our public works department, in our highway division, we're at only 70% of the uh, of, of the output of what we can achieve if we were fully staffed. Um, and we will not be able, at that staffing level, we will not be able to provide services such as winter plowing at the level that has been done in the past. Um, so that is a major concern. You know, we've been talking about this for months in select board meetings. Um, we are our... Uh, uh, compensation is not super competitive for some of these positions, um, and some of these positions are just harder to hire for. Um, and for some reason in the last year or so, uh, the federal government has made it harder for people to get CDLs sort of right as we're facing these staffing shortages. Um, and so there's a bunch of different criteria. And of course, in our area, the housing prices are really, really high if you can even find something, and that doesn't help either. Um, and so we were looked at making a couple different changes to our critical staffing shortage policy that will help us um, move forward here. So we increased, um, you know, the weekly rate. Basically, the critical staffing shortage policy is something that gets turned on in a department if there is an ongoing persistent vacancy in a particular position, and it pays people that are covering those uh, the work that's not getting done by paying them an extra stipend, allowing um, a sign-on bonus for new hires and things like that. And so we're upping those amounts a little bit, and that's all self-funded because there's a vacancy in the positions, and so we're using that additional money to pay for those additional amounts uh, for the other staff. Um, we should uh, just at least remark that uh, those vacancies that we have over the last few years were also being used to pay for people when they retired or left employment here 
and they had accrued sick vacation time, those vacancies were also used to pay that out. So we did discuss that in the budget process last year that we do need to fully fund those payments because it can it's about an average of twenty-five dollars to $30,000 or more per employee of what we owe them when they leave employment. And we don't have that money uh, budgeted. Um, and it hasn't been it hasn't been budgeted, but we've been using those vacancies. So we can't use the vacancies for two different things. Um, we're also reorganizing some of the divisions and positions within Public Works just to make things more efficient. Um, it's been a long time since that was sort of looked at. So that's going to help operations there a little bit. And then we're also holding a position open um, that was reorganized that we don't a management position that we don't need right now as critically as some of the others. And we're using that money to uh, hire a general recruiter, what we're calling a talent acquisition coordinator. That person is going to be working with our human resources department in just trying to fill these jobs. Um, and by eliminating, um, by holding that position, we're able to open up the funding to do that. Um, we also eliminated a full-time position within Public Works um, uh, in agreement with the staff there. Uh, that's one of the open positions in the highway division. And then using that money to raise the pay rates of the other positions within that department, which will hopefully allow us to hire people, um, you know, at, at, at a, at a um, now that it's at a slightly more competitive rate. Um, and that helps pay people who are now going to be permanently picking up a little bit extra. But right now we have so many vacancies in those positions, people are really, really overworked. Um, and again, we need to sort this out before the winter. Next. Um, is we have started a really great shared service with Woodstock, Vermont. So our IT department, which does phenomenal work here and supports a pretty robust technology program throughout the town, um, we are now providing IT services to Woodstock, Vermont. So we're basically their IT department. Um, and that was an RFP that they put out that we were awarded. Um, we offer a, we offered a really great um, deal because of the sort of um, economy of scale of what we already have in place. And that is something that if this goes well on the Hanover side and on the Woodstock side, that's something that we may consider expanding in the future. For example, with many of the towns that we currently provide dispatching services to. So it's an opportunity to integrate all of that a little bit better. These shared services provide great value to taxpayers, much cheaper than what can often be done by a private company. And it does, it starts to incrementally get all of the governments in a region working more closely together, which is also a benefit, of course. Um, an update on the uh, Mink Brook um, Housing and Conservation. And so we created a, um, an FAQ, a detailed FAQ document that is now on our website. And I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And that has about 15 FAQs um, about this project and both about the housing component and the conservation component. The conservation component is overseen and managed by the Hanover Conservation Commission, not the select board. So that's where most of the conversation about the 260 acres of conserved land and forest land will take place. They have a very detailed forest management plan for that area that was created a couple years ago with pretty significant public input. That's what's going to guide the conservation efforts um, on that portion. The select board uh, has the responsibility to oversee the housing uh, component. Um, and so we are now discussing uh, and negotiating terms with Twin Pines per the, um, the vote at town meeting this past year. 
and we will identify what things the select board wants to ensure are sort of in our agreement with Twin Pines that will allow them to move forward with then doing their due diligence to uh, put out an RFP, to look at design and architect firms, and basically move forward with their due diligence about understanding what the cost is and if they can do the project. Um, and so that FAQ goes into a lot of detail about the history of the project, uh, the status, the next steps. You know, we're still pretty early, um, but if you want to learn more about that, you can head to our website, check out the document, and you can sign up for updates to, so that you know if we're discussing anything in an upcoming meeting. We also had some great uh, downtown Hanover updates. Um, we're doing some new um, poll banners and kind of marketing around the downtown, especially we're working on some ways to make uh, parking a little bit easier in Hanover. Um, and there's a whole bunch of different kind of small and medium items that we are working on there. And one of the first ones is just letting people know that meter parking is free after 5 p.m. and all day Sunday, which not a lot of people know. Um, and so, you know, coming out to dinner in Hanover any night of the week, for example, it's just much easier to do that perhaps than people realize. And we've got a bunch of other programs that we're sort of working on there, again, to make uh, finding parking and just the whole parking experience um, easier for people uh, when they come into town. We also have some new events that are coming up and Parks and Rec is now uh, working with us in doing a couple new events in the downtown. So we're very excited about that. Mark your calendars for August 25th and 26th. This is um, a block party on Allen Street where we will be closing the street to vehicular traffic and having it as a pedestrian plaza. We're gonna have some music, we're gonna have a magician, uh, we're gonna have all sorts of cool stuff out there. So if you're looking for anything to do that last weekend in August, uh, come on down to Allen Street and check out what that street could look like and how much value it could provide um, if it weren't uh, being used for vehicles. Something that we're gonna be talking more about as we go forward as well. We will be also doing an uh, October event, which we'll have more details about after we finish our August event. Um, and of course, we'll be continuing our uh, Home for the Holidays in December as well. We do have a new visitor and tourism website that is a collaboration between some students and our downtown group, and that is at explorehanovernh.org. And so we're putting business listings, events, maps, uh, outdoor activities, links to other sites like the UVBA, all sorts of stuff on there. And this is basically a tourism website um, that people can land on if they're looking at Hanover or visiting Hanover. We've got some new plantings in outside of Town Hall in the sort of park that we are creating out there. And we've got some new tables that uh, got a little delayed last week, but hopefully we'll be in uh, shortly. Um, and we have uh, just to continue to make that space a little bit more available to the public. A couple of the updates, uh, a couple updates on the, the major storms that we had, you know, all in all in Hanover, we fared, uh, obviously, as most people know, a lot better than some of our neighbors, especially in Vermont. Um, we did have some damage on Stephen Road, uh, Pineo and Hemlock, um, not a huge amount of damage um, in those roads. And most of that work has been uh, completed. Uh, our fire department was also out um, uh, for a couple days with a, which, with search and rescue teams in Vermont, lending their assistance to helping people uh, doing swift water rescue efforts. Um, and so there are some, um, if you do want to uh, donate um, or help out in any way, um, Vital Communities is one of the organizations in the Upper Valley that has been um, 
coordinating donation and relief efforts, and I'll provide a link to them as well. A couple other small updates. Um, we included a memo in our packet that the state basically complete, sort of closed out everything from the 2021 reval. Uh, we also had planned a solar tracker near Etna Library. There was a little last minute confusion and pushback about that. And so that has um, uh, been placed, that is going to be placed at the Etna Fire Station instead. Um, a couple updates on my end also is I've begun um, the ICMA's High Performance Leadership Academy. So that's a three month program um, where I work with in a breakout group of about a dozen other senior managers from different municipal governments across the country. And we work through a three month program on sort of leading change in a municipal organization. Um, so that sort of professional development is uh, really important uh, to do. And I'll also be attending the ICMA annual conference in September, which is in Austin, Texas. And I was selected by the New Hampshire Municipal Management Association to be one of two delegates from New Hampshire um, in a long form, like all afternoon session called the manager's role in leading change. And there's gonna be about 40 states represented so far in that group. Um, so that will be really interesting uh, as well. So those are the major updates from uh, July. Uh, hope everybody is having a great summer. I'm gonna include all the links to everything I talked about in the show notes. If you have any questions, of course, please feel free to reach out. Um, hope everybody is enjoying the summer. We've had some really great summer weather finally recently. Um, and uh, again, as always, thank you for staying updated and being engaged in what is happening in your community. If you want to find all of the episodes of Hanover Happenings, you can do so at HanoverHappenings.com or search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. I also post our updates on Substack, which is a place that you can um, subscribe as well, in addition to on our website. So thanks again and uh, talk to everybody soon.